0: This podcast is brought to you by Tendril, the industry's leading demand-side management data analytics software provider. If you're interested in this topic, Tendril has a related ebook. It's called The Amazon Effect, Energy in the On-Demand Era and What It Means for Utilities. You can download that at tendrilinc.com slash podcast. That's like Tendril Incorporated, tendrilinc.com slash podcast. And now let's jump into the show. Enjoy. Amazon made $177 billion in 2017, selling us, well, selling us everything, and knowing exactly when we'd want it and for how much. It was hard for most people 20 years ago to imagine just how transformative Amazon would become. In 1999, Bob Simon of 60 Minutes profiled CEO Jeff Bezos. Looking back, the language is clunky and a bit comical.
1: You can't drop by, not in person anyway. For the customer, Amazon only exists on the computer screen. But
0: Bezos does have an office, so we wangled an invitation. There's an important moment in the story when Simon sits down with Bezos to look at his buying history and realizes just how much Amazon can already predict all the other things he'll want. It's quite a foreshadow. (laughs) Now every
1: time I use your website, you learn more about me. Yes. One of your employees has said that you collect half a gigabyte, whatever that is, of information on your customers every day that's about 350 floppy disks worth. Mm. What do you do with that information? That's the data that allows us to predict or try to predict what, you know, uh, what books and videos and music that you would like, that you, don't, that you haven't discovered yet.
0: That predictive, analytical approach to understanding the customer, which we've all come to expect now in online retail, was Amazon's special sauce. And it's what allowed the company to expand way beyond retail into computing, consumer electronics, entertainment, and now groceries and food delivery. Bob Simon captured just how mind-boggling that concept was a couple of decades ago. A couple of geeks who sketched out some
1: software that could destroy Sears Roebuck. That's the beauty of technology and the microprocessor. We've never seen anything like it. But history has seen revolutions before, one thing supplanting another. Could Amazon and its tributaries be flowing towards the shopping mall and
0: eventually drown it out? By now, the story about underestimating disruption is a familiar one. We've seen how it plays out, and it's not pretty for the incumbents who fail to catch up with technology. Which is why it's such a compelling narrative in the utility space, where we are smack in the middle of an online bookstore moment. Electricity consumers want choice. They respond to personalization, but they still don't really want to think about it. And there's a whole new generation of technology providers who think they can give consumers what they want better than traditional brick-and-mortar utilities. And that's why Adrian Tuck sees the importance of talking about Amazon as a model.
2: You know, how did they go from one thing to, to this broad level of disruption? They, they massively focused on the customer and what the customer wants. And they looked at every piece of the chain and they tried to make, uh, things easy and convenient for the customer from free shipping to next day shipping to same day shipping, uh, to, to recommendations. And if you bought this, you might like this kind of things. And they've really looked at all of those pieces and innovated rapidly in order to, to make their buying experience um, compelling and simple to use. Tuck is the
0: CEO of Tendril, a data analytics software company that's been delivering behavioral-based energy services for over a decade and a half. It serves some of the biggest utilities in the world. In fact, Tendril was founded back when Amazon was still seen largely as a bookseller. When Tuck talks to utility customers, he tries to get them to imagine what Amazon would do if it was entering the utility space. They'd use a lot of data to understand their customers. They'd offer a wide variety of rates and energy products. They'd make it as simple as possible. And utilities are taking this customer-centric approach. But there's a catch. Often if there are problems on the grid, utilities pass them on to customers. Tuck explains. And then GTM's Julian Spector takes over for a deep conversation on the next phase of the utility-customer relationship
2: you know the utility industry is the grid uh is famously inefficient and has uh, and is structured in a way to make sure that we always have electricity whenever we need it um that means that at times there's congestion in the network and that will only get worse as uh, more more intermittent sources of energy come onto the grid um making that the customer's problem by rolling out things like demand response or time of use pricing by by effectively Making the customer have to fix the trend, the, the, uh, problems in the, in the grid is entirely the opposite way around, um, to the way that Amazon would solve this problem. You know, Amazon is all about, uh, we don't want you to think about shipping, um, uh, so we're going to give you prime. We don't want you to think about, uh, you know, how many movies you've downloaded or, or what time of day you download them. So we we'll put it all in the same price for the, you know, and you can do it, use it as much of it, use it as we want whenever you want. And, and that mindset of, Rigorously putting the customer first and imagining how to simplify and delight the, the the consumer experience is, I think, the key to how Amazon has evolved and, and grown their business from from an online bookstore to the giant it is today. Now that's that's fascinating. And do you think, uh,
3: obviously, the the utility business is very different, but still has a very personal relationship with their customer in terms of providing the power for for their life. Uh, are are they uh, finding innovative ways to really connect with that customer, put that customer first, and and use that as a way to to develop new lines of of revenue?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think at the vanguard of this industry, there are some incredibly creative people who are working hard to try to solve these problems i i am not ready to yet say that this is the sort of the broad the, the whole industry is moving in this direction but there's certainly uh, we're involved in some amazingly creative workshops where people are um, exploring different retail channels different pricing models different um, methods to bring power to the market and it's um, and it's driven from this idea that um that historically utilities have really treated their customers as as all the same. And from a regulatory perspective, they've been encouraged to do that. Um, You know, in the last three or four years, that's evolved from, okay, they're not all the same to sort of segmentation into four or five segments. And what we're really seeing um, from the leading players in this space now is a move to sort of what I call a million markets of one, right? This idea that every consumer has a personalised experience around energy, uh, and that the recommendations and products and services that are offered to that consumer are are uh, offered in a unique way to that customer, and um, and that's required a, a, some fairly fundamental changes in thinking. It's cha- it's required a change in thinking from the in the utility to understand that with data analytics and the modern communications methods, that's a possibility and a desirability. And it's required some, some complex conversations with, with regulators where, you know, the, the regulatory construct is often designed um, to make sure that those most at risk in a society are least likely to be harmed. And that's a very laudable goal. So so regulations are constructed around, you know, uh, low-income communities and other forms of at-risk communities to make sure that those people are not disenfranchised and disenfranchised the challenge has been to find constructs under which those people are well served by the utility, but that doesn't mean that other segments of society can't move at different paces into different levels of, of engagement with the utility. So that's been the, been the first sort of set of changes that we're starting to see at the, at the utility end. And, and, and I'd add one piece, which is that that's required fairly significant organizational change in the utility. We, we, I've been staggered in the, 10 plus years I've been in this industry at how siloed the utilities have have historically been. The guy thinking about energy efficiency is in a different building from the guy thinking about demand response who's in a different building than the guy thinking about EV or solar. And and as such, the utilities have a, a wealth of data, but it's very siloed. Um, not everybody yet has found ways to plumb that data and information in order to to bring learnings from one part of the business into into the other part.
3: But I was going to ask to what extent do you think that the tools to really access the, the customer relationship are already there in the utilities, but maybe untapped so far? And, and to what extent do they have to look outside of the organization, find partners, find innovative companies to work with to uh, get the, the,
2: the goal that they're looking for now? I'm going to try to break this problem into, into, into three areas. There's data, there's tools, and there are skills. So, the data by and large exists inside the utility. All of the historical consumption information, all of the past participation in various programs and things exist, in, albeit often in silos. Now that data can always be augmented with more information that you can, that is readily available in public markets around, about building types, around income levels, education levels, past purchasing histories of, of consumers and so on and so forth. So you can always make that data richer. But there's a core set of data in the organization that uh, exists today. The tools to mine and turn that data into business useful information uh, are, don't exist inside the utility for the large part. And there's quite a lot of work going on at the moment inside utilities and quite a lot of debate about you know where should these tools come from, should we build them ourselves, uh, should we you know partner with somebody in order to develop those tools, the sort of data analytics capabilities. And then on top of that, there's the set of skills required to sort of, you know, take analytics and turn it into business useful sort of knowledge and, and, and actionable information, and it's our uh, it's our um, argument that that utilities absolutely need to build these skills in house. This idea, or, or that, or, or let me be specific, utilities need to build the skills to take. Analyze data and turn it into business useful information. So, but they don't need to build the, the tools to do that. And I, the way I, I, the analogy I use when I'm talking about this with utility executives is: look, we want you to write the book that is, you know, the Duke Energy book, but you don't need to build a word processor to do that. Uh, let a, let people like us do that. We'll bring you. Um, all of the hard yards that are needed to clean and make sense of the data that you've got inside your organization. The fact that you're then going to use it uh, to more intelligently plan how your network works, to think of innovative products to bring to the market, those kind of things is that's the skills that you need to build. And we're we're here to help you do that. Um, But you don't need to build, you don't need to spend all your time building uh, data analytics tools.
3: And and is this a case where the utility industry can benefit from all this work that's been done in, it seems like every other industry in the digital age to to really dial in on on customer segmentation and and track you know all our, our our online presence and all these these different digital markers. Like has that knowledge been developed outside in a way that is easily
2: transportable
3: to the utility world?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, Julian. This is about bringing uh, best practices from other industries and applying them to the energy industry, which is late to the game. Gotcha. Well, could could you step back and give us a a timeline of
3: of you know where we are in terms of utility adoption of, of these demand side management customer oriented techniques. You know, how 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 long have they been working on it and, and what stage of evolution would you say we've reached
2: so far? So we We've sort of broken this uh this problem of how do you how do you engage with consumers on a personal level and drive value for both the consumer and the utility. And we've broken it into three pieces. And these pieces have largely uh existed in a vacuum from each other up until now. Uh and some of them been, of them have been around for a while and some of them are relatively new. But but maybe I can explain them and and and, we, and unpick them a little bit. So at the at the sort of early stage of a customer journey, um, you have the the engagement phase or the education phase, where really you're trying to um, build an understanding with the customer about you know the choices that they make in their home, about how energy is used and the impact of that on their bill, and for those who are interested in in the sort of climate impact, the impact uh, the carbon impact of the decisions that they're making, and. And so that that industry has been around now for, you know, just shy of a decade. The the the, um, uh, the, the drive to use combinations of meter data and smart meter data and and, and technologies like home energy reports and web portals and, and the various things to to give the customer uh, some basic background in their energy consumption. And I think I came into this market uh, about twelve years ago from the telecom space, and I was actually quite surprised how little consumers knew about their energy consumption. Um, so that was my first lesson. But there, was a, there has been a, a roughly decade-old business uh, focused on engaging with consumers. That, now, the challenge with that business is that it was largely driven by a set of goals around behavioral, what's called behavioral energy efficiency, the use of social norming and other techniques in order to, to drive down the consumption of energy that's a worthy goal by the way and and it's a very um you know achievable task but the the key is that if that's your sole goal then you'll use all sorts of um uh, techniques that perhaps don't lend themselves to a long-term relationship with the consumer so in other words you can use frowny faces and other things in your way you communicate which will you know, shame people into using less energy, but won't necessarily set themselves up for what I believe is the is the second phase of this journey, which is how you activate a customer. So that first phase has been around about a decade. Uh, there's continuing innovation in it, and there are ways there there, there there are there are all sorts of techniques about how you how you, how you can engage your consumers. But once you've engaged with them, then what you know? So you've you've opened a conversation. What are you going to say now? And I think the the next area. Is this idea of activating the customer, and for us that means, you know, nudging the customer to do something. That could be behavioural change, a change in behaviour pattern. Um, it could be that they purchase a product, uh, you know, a smart thermostat or a, some, some solar panels or something like that. And it could be that they um, they sign up for a new type of tariff or a new type of program that the utility has. And so that nudging action requires, you know, to go back to our Amazon story, it requires. A seamless way to take you from the sort of nudge of doing something to the ability to transact on that uh, on that action, and so there's a lot of clever work needed to sort of build the bridges between engagement and activation. Um, and again, the, and so so activation today mainly takes the form of uh, utility marketplaces. There have been marketplaces around again for I think around a decade. Um, uh, some of those have been uh, you, you know utility owned and built and increasingly there are there are, there are there are people uh, including I think Amazon looking at this space um, where where it's possible to sort of work with a utility to enable the, the transactive nature of the sort of products and services uh, that consumers might might active an activated consumer might might um, might buy and so that's been uh, as I said around for 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 a while and then at the top of this, Pyramid of sort of value, um, sits the idea that the, the, of, of managing the energy for the customer. And this has existed in a rudimentary form for perhaps the longest. So for, for 20 or 30 years, there have been various programs that have helped the customer. Well, at least the promise has been to help the customer manage energy. Um, but in the residential market, that has really been about helping the utility manage the network rather than the consumer manage the energy, their energy. And so what you've seen is for, for two or three decades now, a set of technologies that have, um, allowed the utility at, at times maximally convenient to the utility to turn up on or off or up or down, um, various things in, in and adjacent to the home in order to sort of, you know, do what we traditionally call demand response. Solving a utility congestion problem on the grid, um, but effectively making it the customer's problem. And what Tendril's research has shown is that consumers, by and large, would like somebody to manage their energy for them because energy doesn't sit in a – nor should it sit as a front of mind thing. We shouldn't wake up every day. And think about our energy, but we should wake up every day and know that our energy provider is managing our energy for us. And this is a huge opportunity for utilities to become the trusted advisor and manager of energy for their, for their customers. And we see in, in the advent of technologies like our orchestrated energy product, the ability to, you know, custom program uh, devices in the home to achieve an outcome for a consumer, May it, it could be the cheapest energy or it could be the greenest energy, for example, that is in sync with the utility's need to optimize the grid and all the variable uh, sources of supply on the grid uh, in an efficient manner. And if done correctly, um, the consumer doesn't even notice it's happening and just sees savings on their bill at the end. And so so, so whilst the, 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 management piece of the grid has been around for, for two or three decades, it's really only now that the combination of in smart in home devices, uh, broadband penetration, uh, to the home and the kind of data analytics and cloud computing horsepower that's been required to do these kind of, uh, programs have all come together at the same time. And we think this idea of continuous management of energy, um, uh, by the utility on behalf of the customer so that the customer knows that they're getting the best deal every day is a key part of the future role of, of, of the next generation utility.
3: Well, then what's the, what's the next step of development? Are, are there any tools or resources that, uh, you know, the, the market of, of startups need to
2: provide to utilities that they don't have so far? I think in order to make this vision come true, the first thing that has to happen is is a recognition that forces outside of the en- energy industry are going to drive a change in consumer behavior and and what i mean by that is that companies like apple and amazon and google and others will compete for the automated home and they will they will provide what we hope is a bewildering array of products and services that become cleverer and cleverer because they can connect with each other and and uh, and through various apps and voice-activated uh, programs, will start to have more and more connectivity with the, the, the things that consume energy in our home. Re- the first step here is for utilities to realize that that they should be co-opting that movement, not fighting it. It would be remarkably brave of a utility to imagine that they uh, can beat Apple and Google and the others in terms of getting mindshare with consumers about the products that they buy in their home. So far better to to co-opt those products rather than to compete with them. So, 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 so if if that's true, then um, then th- then the first thing to understand is that is that uh, we should welcome the complexity that comes from all of the crazy devices that will and, and products that we'll start to see turning up and are already starting to see turn up in the home. And so, the, the challenge then becomes for the for the utility. Well, okay, well, am I going to build a series of bilateral relationships with? you know uh, with nest and with honeywell and with tesla and with you know whirlpool and all the other people that are going to build products in the home or is there a way to to partner with somebody to 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 have that connective tissue that means that whatever turns up in the home within reason we'll be able to uh, have a conversation with it if the consumer allows us to and so i think the first order problem to solve is is that one of sort of uh, the idea that if you don't control what comes into the home but you still want to speak to everything then that's going to be a challenge, uh, a challenge for the utility if they have to build bilateral relationships with everybody. And frankly, it's going to be a challenge for the, for the hardware and system vendors if they have to, you know, build a different relationship with Duke than they have with national grid and, and so on and so forth. So there's a role that sits in the middle there to, to, um, better manage the complexity that comes from that sort of, uh, environment. Beyond that, there's this idea that, we all imagine that everybody bought everybody who bought a nest thermostat bought it because they wanted to save energy and i think the reality is that that most people bought it um because they wanted to be able to turn the uh heat up and down without getting out of their uh, off the sofa and uh and so so what i mean by that is that that energy is not yet a mass market value proposition for consumers it's not a reason to go and buy Uh, to replace a thermostat on your wall with a new thermostat. Convenience, uh, that's a reason. Um, you know, the ability to do things remotely, that's a reason. And so if you, if you recognize that your value proposition is largely secondary in the customer's buying habits, then you need to find ways to interface with these products and services that is, is behind the scenes, not, not in, you know, not, not front of house. And so, and so building clever ways to turn things up and down and on and off without customers noticing is i think where the the, the next challenge arises and there's there's a lot of computing complexity in in reprogramming 400,000 thermostats every night uh uh for the uniquely for the day ahead uniquely for each home um and so those kinds of capabilities um, are best partnered with, I think, at the moment, given the the, it, the computing complexity and the data complexities around building uh, around building those kind of systems. So, I think th- those are the areas that I think utilities are best focused when it comes to um, to sort of working with products and services in the home.
3: Well, and how do utilities overcome the challenge that uh, exists in many cases where customers? maybe don't like their utility that much. You know a lot, For a lot of people, their experiences they get charged a bill, maybe the power goes out and they get upset. Um, you know for, for many residents, uh, uh, the, the utility is not the same kind of friendly relationship as you would have with an Amazon where it gives you nice things very quickly. Um, is it the utility's job to uh,
2: overcome that and create a new kind of relationship? Absolutely, the utility has to evolve their relationship with the customer. Um, and, and, and the reason why we've broken our, uh, sort of thinking about this customer journey into three pieces is, is if you just go in and start to say to the customer, I'm going to, uh, I want to manage your thermostat without first having gone through the sort of engage phase and then the activate phase before you get to this point then you'll have a difficult time uh, convincing consumers to do that. So so there's a trust-building exercise to be done and a, uh, that, that leads to this point where a consumer trusts the utility in order to, do, to, to manage things in their home. So that's the first thing. But the second thing I would say is we've done a lot of research in this area. And I wouldn't say that consumers love their utilities, but, but I would say that, by and large, they trust them. Uh, and so – they, they are they are trusted brands um for the most part and th- so they've they're they've got a great place to start versus somebody that's never been heard of before um in in order to establish this this sort of evolved relationship with the consumer um there there are obviously uh you know a, anyone who treats uh, and serves millions of customers is going to have their fair share of people who are um frustrated but by and large our research has shown that that, that trust is something that people associate with with utilities. So they've got that great place to start. Um, and then I think that you have to clearly articulate what is in it for the consumer. And so to give you an example, the thermostat program that we run uh, for utilities that manages the thermostat on each home uniquely for that home, uniquely for the, for the, for the, for each day, um, saves customers somewhere between $50 and $250 a year. Uh, and it makes them more comfortable. Uh, people when we're managing the thermostat, people go up and adjust the thermostat roughly a third less than they do uh, when we're not managing it, and um, and because we're able to to tailor the comfort but based on all the things that we learn about that consu- that consumer. And so, uh, and then I would add that we we turn the air conditioning on and off less, which prolongs the life of the system. So so if you can capture those benefits and say to the consumer, look we're going to do these things for you. Um, These are real tangible outcomes, and we're going to measure them and show you how you're saving money every day. Um, Then consumers will welcome you into your home, uh, providing you've educated them and built that trust uh, uh, environment. Do
3: you think the success of all these demand-side management uh, techniques requires a a consumer who down the road, comes to really care about energy and and want to take an active role in that, or or will it be possible to uh, deploy them, you know, without crossing that hurdle? I,
2: I really hope that we are able to convince people who who don't care about energy uh, that that utilities can help them manage it uh, uh, better than manage energy better than they can manage it themselves, and so if this requires. If this whole revolution requires everybody to suddenly start caring about energy, I think it will take a long time. Um, so we've designed our solutions based on the idea that that people largely don't care, uh, but they do like to see the kind of outcomes that we can deliver: saved money, or, uh, or greener, or more comfortable homes. And so, so, um, so we need in small instances for people to care enough that they give us permission to manage their energy for them but then we'd like them to just sit back and enjoy the fruits of our our, our labor if if we, i'm constantly amazed by the number of vendors in this space who feel the need to continue to share with consumers at greater and greater levels of granularity the the minute data about their energy consumption in their home uh, that is a at best a minority value proposition for uh, for a tiny small number of us and even those of us who who live in this space and 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 obsess about it uh, get bored with uh, looking at energy data after a few weeks and so so the key here is I just want to know that somebody's making my by getting giving me the cheapest possible energy every day and keeping me comfortable and if I know that um, then that's all you know I don't need to get involved beyond that and your your development as a company has
3: has also, been informed by these these changes in kind of market demand and customer demand in terms of uh, interest in in home energy management right and you, you've gone through several different stages I was wondering if you could talk about about that and how, how your core product and core business effort uh, has changed as the you know consumer
2: attitudes have, have grown it's amazing as I look back on the 12 years I've been at tendril that uh, that That our, our vision and our strategy has changed very little, but our tactics have changed amazingly. So, so in other words, we've always had this view that if you give customers enough information about energy consumption and, and, and you can create enough intelligence around, um, uh, uh, controlling devices and things, then, then software can have an amazing impact on, on energy consumption, and, and that there are all sorts of ways to deliver value to consumers and energy providers alike. But we, but but there have been several key learnings along the way. Um, the first was that that I think we were, we didn't fully understand the degree to which people didn't know about their energy, um, and and the degree to which that was going to become a precursor for asking them to do anything uh, beyond that, and so. So we we merrily set off uh, at the beginning of the of the life of Tendril, trying to solve what I describe as the problems on rung five of the ladder, uh, where we hadn't really solved the problems on rungs one, two, three, and four. And so so we we started we 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 got into the game of thermostats and being able to turn them on and off and smart plugs and all sorts of things, and and came to this grinding realization that uh, that our our Utility customers didn't understand their consumers and our consumers didn't understand their utility providers. And so so we then pivoted and moved ourselves into uh, solving the data analytics and consumer engagement challenges that are necessary at the front end of, uh, of the consumer journey that I described. So taking somebody whose prior relationship with the utility was just a bill and an outage, and turning them uh, into a, at least an educated and in, an engaged consumer who understands at least some of the basics of how they're what what what's going on in their home and how that's affecting their energy bill, um, and and helping the utility understand that their consumers are not all the same and and that there are u- unique ways to treat. Uh, consumers that will derive, will help drive uh, you know benefits for the utility. So, so that was the first big pivot was was um, go get into the data analytics game and the consumer engagement game. We bought a a, a company way back in two thousand and nine that was uh, excellent at uh, at both and sort of built upon that set of skills. Uh, in order to build that set of capabilities, and today uh, you know we have utilities with about twenty six million uh, consumers and uh, and I saw something the other day that suggested that we 're about to pass i think it 's thirty five billion meter reads a month being ingested into our system. The second uh, sort of area of of growth for us was to understand how utilities did what they did. In other words, the utility market. We all expect, as consumers, we expect from our utilities a greater level of reliability than we expect from our mobile providers, from our broadband providers, and so on. And and that that uh, has that has evolved, or that level of service has evolved out of a, a set of um, a, a culture and a, and a focus on quality of service inside the utilities that um, that makes them more methodical about how they deploy new technologies somebody once famously or not famously but somebody once told me that you know that, that utilities make a product that if you touch it it will kill you and that's the mindset they they take with everything that they do and we have worked hard to to move from a model that was sort of whiz bang driven sort of look we can give your, we can help you give your customers this new amazing feature into one that much more ties back to the core utility operating metrics around um, efficiency and and asset utilization and and, uh, and so on. So that so so that's required us to invest heavily in uh, the, the pieces of infrastructure that are required in order to uh, to support the utilities. And and I would say that in my twenty five years of being an entrepreneur, selling into the utility industry is is The hardest, sometimes the most frustrating, but occasionally the most rewarding thing that I've done. Um, utilities have to serve everybody. So in, in a normal business, you know, you, you you build a product. It's adopted by the early adopters in the market. You're then able to, you know, sort of reduce the cost and add to the features and things over time and gradually bigger and bigger audiences of people take on the product in the utility industry. Our customer has to serve everybody. And so the, yeah. Focus on making sure that we've designed solutions for the mass market, not for the minority, um, is pretty key, and that requires a lot of engineering effort. Secondly, that that level of uh, concern about reliability and security and privacy and all those kind of things that that make the utilities the reliable providers that they are is necessarily passed on to their vendors and partners, and we've had to invest you know hundred million dollars in. In, in, in technology, in order to make sure that we can do the kind of things we do with billions of meter reads in private and secure and, and robust ways. Um, and then thirdly, this drive to make sure that everything, every dollar that the utility spends, they can justify to their reg, their regulators, um, has meant that, you know, that the need to pilot technologies over large periods of time in order to justify the results that are coming out is a discipline that, uh, is hard one here at tendril and takes a long time to uh uh, to build so do you have a a pro tip for how to close a deal with the utility i think uh it starts with not walking into the room thinking you know more than the utility does uh there may be areas that you know more about uh i think we know a lot about customers and end users and what they do uh but that has to be married with um with the knowledge that the utility brings to the table. We, we you know, illustratively, we run uh, the largest behavioral energy uh, program in the U.S. with Duke Energy. Um, it's incredibly successful and it, almost uniquely amongst these programs, it's been around for about five years, it treats about three million customers. It's been, the performance of the program has been growing across critical metrics around um uh, energy efficiency that we've attained customer satisfaction various things like that um and that's a result of genuine collaboration between us who know a lot about technology and behavioral techniques and things like that and the utility who who have been willing to treat us as a genuine partner uh, as opposed to a vendor and help us design solutions uh with that with them and their customers in mind that have delivered the kind of sustained results that uh, we've seen with that program
3: Well, Adrian, thank you so much. Uh, That was Adrian Tuck, CEO
2: of Tendril. Thank you.
0: If you liked that interview and you want more content like it, you can go to tendrilinc.com slash podcast, and you're going to find the ebook called The Amazon Effect, Energy in the On-Demand Era and What It Means for Utilities. That link again is tendrilinc, like Tendril Incorporated, tendrilinc.com slash podcast podcast. While there, you can poke around Tendril's website and see its fourth generation platform, webinars, and case studies on how continuous demand management works. That link again is tendrilinc.com podcast. And this podcast episode was sponsored by Tendril.